Hey, y'all, Pastor Emil here with another episode of Sweet Jesus. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Ice cream is sweet, but Jesus is far sweeter. I'm excited today because I am doing some cool stuff with this soundboard, and I have a guest that I am connecting with from over a 1,000 miles away. Uh, Who knew that was possible? Uh, I have Josh Craig on the phone. Uh, He is a guy that I worked uh, with at a congregation I previously served in Ohio. Uh, He is uh, what folks in our tradition, our denomination, would call a DCE, a Director of Christian Education, and that kind of typically focuses on children and youth, but can be more broadly focused on education in a congregation. Uh, he's uh, actually trained as what we would call a director of family life ministry. Uh, he's been at this a uh, few years now, and uh, I'm excited to have him on because, well, first I get to try out this really cool technology, uh, but also because I've actually learned an awful lot from Josh. Um, it really changed my approach with discipling my kids uh, and others within the congregation And I think he's got uh, some things that would really be helpful for a lot of us. So I'm excited to have him on here. Uh, So welcome, Josh. I've got a nice little crowd here celebrating your arrival. Yes, hello. Uh, You flatter me too much, Pastor Amel, I think. Well, no, I I think uh, for sure there are things that you have said that still kind of rattle around in my brain. So... So that's true. It it's not flattery. Um, it's only if you enjoy it too much, then maybe it's flattery. Oh well, <laughs> maybe that, that's maybe that's the problem. Yeah. Uh, that's uh, that's all of our problems. But that's a topic for another day. For another day, Amen, brother. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, thank you for having me on. And uh, yeah, I, I had a great time working with you. Um, so. I, I'm I'm glad to do this and and you know get some stuff out there. Maybe between our our conversation between the two of us, uh, we can teach I don't know somebody something. <laughs> so. uh, yeah, I think I think we can. God God can use uh, anybody, so He can certainly use us. But uh, don't sell yourself too short, brother. But here, uh, first question I usually ask people I've had on kind of for the first time. You know, this is kind of it's called Sweet Jesus, right? So. Uh, what is it that's so sweet about Jesus? What, what is it to you that makes Jesus so sweet, right? Psalm 34, eight, taste and see that the Lord is good. Uh, what do you got? Oh, man. All right. So uh, what a good question all the time. But, uh, you know, I used to know a pastor, and Pastor Emily used to know the same pastor, uh, and he would he would ask, you know, do you love Jesus? And uh, you know, it was that, that undersells it a little bit. Um, he was, uh, sort of, a like aggressively asking, um, uh, like the first time he met me, I think they may have been the first words out of his mouth. Uh, and when he asked, he, he was like asking, I was, I was in an interview at the time and I was just like, what, what, what? like, uh, <laughs> well, uh, yes. Lutherans <laughs> right? don't normally talk like that, right? No, we don't. Yeah. And so it threw me off. Um, I will say I thought of the, the answer I wish I would have given him, uh, and I thought of it much later. And since he has now passed, 
passed away. And, and so I, of course I can't give him the answer, but I'll give it to you instead. Um, but you know, so do you love Jesus? I said, you know what? Not as much as I should, but I do know he loves me. Yeah. And I guess that's, that's what makes Jesus sweet, uh, to me, right. Is you look back at my life and Hey, you know, I, I don't have like some sort of super cool, like come to Jesus moment or something, right? Like, uh, I was, you know, born and baptized in the church and, uh, raised in the church. And, uh, my, I went to the same Lutheran grade school that my grandmother went to, you know, and, uh, then I went to a public high school, went there and I kind of helped out at the praise band. So I've sort of always been in the church. Um, I think God kind of never let me go. Um, and so, but I, I just, I just love that idea of like God, like I, like not only is it not possible to please him really, like, but you also don't have to because you already please him, right? Like you already do it. Like yeah. you're good just by existence. Like he made you and he loves you. And that's just, that's just it. He's like your own personal little cheerleader in some ways, you know, like he just like, he's just cheering you on and wanting you to do as good as you can do. Um, and so I guess that's what makes Jesus kind of sweet to me. I, I don't have like a super amazing um, moment where I'm like, Oh, this is the moment I knew that, that I, I was a Christian and, and, you know, Jesus was my personal savior. And, and, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Why I have one of those. Um, so, and I've, you know, just like all Christians, I've experienced doubts and, and such as well over time and, um, you know, kind of moved through those. And, um, so it's, I mean, that I think is the biggest thing I would say is Jesus loves me. That's, that's what's so sweet about Jesus. It's, um, my own ability to love him is fickle and changing, uh, but he's not. So, yeah, no, that's, know. uh, way. I don't know if that's what everybody would say. I don't know, but go ahead. <laughs> I, I ask everybody cause everybody's got a different answer and, and the idea is that somebody out there is going to benefit from hearing that kind of story. You know, I don't, I don't think we all have these big moments necessarily. I think there are moments when it becomes more real to us, uh, over right, time, yeah. you know, so, um, but, but there are also a lot of people that, you know, they've been born and raised and they have that kind of, and they just need that redirection um, every once in a while, that reminder that, hey, just because you don't have that big monumental moment doesn't mean that Jesus loves you less or something or, or that you're not as much of a Christian or, but, right. um, you know, but that that's great. Pastor Ted, right? Do you love yes, Jesus? Yeah. Do you love Jesus? Yeah. Yeah, he definitely. Uh, like I said, though, you really got, I mean, he was like, he was like aggressive about it. He was like, do you love Jesus? Was, Whoa. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> I love Jesus. Right. Like, <laughs> Well, I think don't what, you don't need to poke me with your finger. We're good. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> well, I think what he was getting at was was actually helpful in some ways because I, I've been doing some things going through the book of Galatians. I was reading uh, some things in the Gospel of John and uh, listening to some preachers talk about this. And and Augustine actually, Saint Augustine has something where he talks about disordered loves. And that that's actually the heart of our problem. Well, whatever our problems are, typically it's our disordered loves. It's that 
not so much that we love the wrong things, which we obviously do love the wrong things sometimes, but that we actually love the right things in the wrong order. So Mm -hmm. if you love Jesus less than you love your career or you love your career more than you love your family, you know, you get things out of whack, then it just makes a mess of everything. Um, Yeah. So it's not that you're ever going to really love Jesus as much as you should, but it is helpful to think through the ways that maybe you should love him a little more than you love some of these other things. (laughs) Uh, Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, and I think he was, you know, he's from kind of a charismatic, uh, you know, background. I mean, he's Lutheran, but you know, he did dabble in a lot of that stuff that uh, went on in, I guess the seventies in the Lutheran church and a lot of other churches. And, and it was getting at kind of like a dead religiosity and so there's, you know, he was looking for passion. He's like, do you get right. it? Do you really get it? Or are you just here to check off a box? You know, and I think there is some value in that, although it does have its pitfalls. So, right. Anyway, sorry for the mini sermon, but, you know. You're a pastor. We expect it. <laughs> so you've heard lots of my sermons, I guess. Uh, from the pulpit and and not in the pulpit. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, uh, I I have a tendency to occasionally give a mini sermon. That I don't know. I'm a DC, so maybe we call it a mini a mini study, right, or something. I don't a, a lecture. <laughs> yeah. Well, whatever it is, uh, we both talk a lot. That's for sure. Amen. <laughs> so, but uh, all right, you got something. You got something for us about uh, how sweet Jesus was. That was great, Pastor Ted. Thank you for the uh, nostalgia there. That was that was good <laughs> memories. Um, I'm sure he asked you too. Yeah. Oh, he definitely asked me. Yeah, and I don't even remember exactly what I said. It. Uh, oh. it, it didn't. It's awkward at first when he just you know jumps in on you. Whoa. Uh, yeah, he's. Pretty I wish intense. I would have had time to prepare. He died at uh, like ninety six, right? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, he was he was up there. So he was in his nineties for sure when I met him, and mm-hmm. uh, man, I don't know. Well, when we both met him, uh, what would it have been like to meet him in his forties? <laughs> I know, 30s? right? Like, he was he was so energetic and just like, man, like you yeah. are in your forties. Holy cow! Yeah. I mean, I'm going to turn 40 this year and I'm like, man, I'm on the down, <laughs> you know, like this is all downhill. This is my body, my, you know, energy level, all this kind of stuff. And here this guy was in his nineties still going at it. But anyway, Hey, uh, what got you into director of family life ministry, the, the DFLM program and, and thinking about, uh, being in ministry in this way? Man. So this doesn't have a short answer. So I'll just, I'll just give you the long one. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't know if anything I have has a short answer. So, you know, in some ways it was sort of accidental. Um, but then in hindsight, of course it looks like, you know, none of it was accidental, right? We don't believe in coincidences. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was divine providence the whole way, but, like I said, you know, I felt like God kind of never let me go. So I was in the church, um, 
in, uh, in high school and all through high school, I graduated. And my initial thought was actually that I would go to be like a doctor. Uh, and I went to like Michigan State University. I'm, my hometown is in Michigan. And I went to Michigan State University and uh, went there to be a doctor. And I was, you know, I was pre-med the whole thing. Um, I had the grades for it and everything. And um, I was going to do it. And it was kind of like, I don't really know what I wanted to do. But I don't know, being a doctor sounded like, you know, there's money, there's respect and they're just, you know, why wouldn't I want to be a doctor? Um, to some extent, like if you can, then you should, right? <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. you know, so I, you know, I went there and, um, I hated it. I, <laughs> like, <laughs> it was so awful. Um, and, uh, so I, 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 they actually ended up booting me out for financial reasons, actually. So uh, I went back to my hometown and, uh, got a job delivering pizzas and, and was living with my mom again. And then for a little bit, I was living with my uncle and delivering pizzas the whole way and paying my way through the local community college. And I did that for nearly four years, I think, uh, before starting at Concordia. But during that time, so I'd be, you know, 19, 20, 21, 22, something, I guess it was about three years that I, um, was at the local community college and um, I, I kind of was got back involved in church. I had fallen out a little bit at, at college, but it was only one semester. Um, so it really wasn't, didn't feel like a big gap. It was really only like three months or something. So came back and just plugged right back into the church. No problem. Um, and they were shortly after I came back, they were looking for a, a volunteer youth director, somebody to just, you know, hey, we just need somebody to like lead a Bible study for the youth, uh, and then do like you know some events every once in a while, right? Just like a volunteer kind of thing. Um, and they at first, like all churches do, they were like, well, let's put a committee together, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so like, so I was like, right, I'll 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 join in in your committee or whatever, you know. So I go and I go to the the meeting with the pastor with this committee. And, uh, sure enough, uh, it, it's not a committee. It's, well, it is, but it's a committee of one. I'm the only person that shows up. Um, <laughs> and so I, I really felt like it was one of those situations. I don't know if the pastor set me up with that or not. I'm not sure if it was accidental <laughs> or what. Um, but it did kind of feel like, you know, like it was one of those situations where like the pastor's asking people to step forward and I'm like the only one that just like didn't step back. Like everybody else <laughs> stepped back. And so I'm like, now it looks like I stepped forward. Sucker. So, <laughs> I know. Right. Uh, so I, so I did it. So I, you know, I started, you know, volunteering with the youth and at the time, like I am a youth, right? Like now looking back at like the other people of the same age, like, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't think I had any business leading, uh, leading that group, but, but I did, um, and kind of fell in love with it and was like, Hey, you know what? This is, this is like what I should be doing. Um, while I was at the community college, I had started doing like a teaching program and I did like teaching and I still like teaching. Uh, but when I was at youth ministry, I, I realized like, Hey, you know, I like teaching, but you know what, this is like the most important thing you can possibly teach. Yeah. Uh, so this is great, you know? Um, so I did that for a full year and then I kind of started making preparations to go to Concordia Ann Arbor, which is, uh, the only Concordia I even considered. So I went there. Um, I'd been there before with youth ministry stuff, and I'd been there uh, when I was in high school, and then I'd been there 
with youth ministry stuff as leading um, the the group at my home church. And so with that, went there, they happened to have a director of family life ministry program uh, and then a minor of youth ministry. So I went there to do youth ministry, uh, but they didn't have like a full youth ministry program and they didn't have a director of Christian education program. They only had the family life ministry program with youth ministry mm. as a minor. So that's what I did. So I, I went into that program saying, okay, I'll be a youth minister. Now, while I was there, they started teaching me. And as they're teaching me, uh, I actually even like learned some things, believe it or <laughs> not. Uh, so, so as they're teaching Who knew? me, Who knew? I know, right? I know. As they're teaching me, I realized about my own family, uh, which, you know, I, I don't need to get too involved. I don't, I don't want to, you know, make any problems for, for my family or anything, but there are definitely some, some concerns there. And, um, I just realized there was a lot of stuff that they were teaching that just made sense, mm-hmm. uh, from what I had experienced in my own family. Um, and I was like, man, I wish somebody would have taught this. Not, not even like just to me, but like, maybe even like to my parents, you know, like, yeah. uh, so, you know, and, um, and it, golly, maybe even my grandparents, right? Like the more you go back, the more sense it made. So I just kind of kept getting it. And then, so while I was there is when I fell in love with family life ministry. Um, but I had initially gone there for youth ministry. So I had, so when you say like, well, you know, how did you choose it? I never did choose it actually. Right. So like, yeah. I just was there and they convinced me, they sold me on it. Um, so so I guess good job, Concordia University and Ar- Ann Arbor. That's my shout out for you, the Family Life Ministry <laughs> Program. There. Um, so that's kind of how I chose it. If they would have had a DCE program, uh, you know, then I'd probably be a DCE now. Uh, well, I am a DCE now, actually. So I guess uh, I might have ended up in the same place. Uh, but, um, but I wouldn't have had the training and I don't think I would have. Um, I'd have a different perspective. So I'm actually really grateful to Concordia Ann Arbor because um, they really did teach me. Um, a lot. So, um, that's kind of where that came from. And then, you know, a lot of the other stuff kind of comes as you kind of experience it and and grow it. And I had already experienced a lot by then. I was not your incoming 18 year old, uh, freshman. So I had already, um, had some experience with stuff and how wrong family can go and how bad it gets when it goes wrong. Um, so with that, I was like, hey, you know what would be good is if our churches started having family go right and how good and how, or how sweet, right? Sweet Jesus, how sweet it is when family is done right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, you're not the only one with problems in your family. I, I don't know that there's a person that hasn't had some dysfunction uh, or they just haven't figured it out yet, right? I mean, oh, oh yeah, yeah. But That's a, they always say, right? There's a crazy person in every family, and if there's not one in your family, it's probably then it's you. you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, That's we're all good. we're all right. We're all sinners. Uh, so every family is a family full of sinners. Yes. Uh, so yeah, yeah. Uh, so if, the way you talked about family life ministry, there, it it seems like more of a holistic approach right it's treating the you know hey it's not just these individual people that need to learn things but these 
people that do need to learn things that are in these complex systems with all these different variables that are at play that it in some ways it doesn't matter what you're teaching them if right i mean if if these mm-hmm. other pieces aren't working together is that does that sound right yeah uh you're using the the family ministry word there right so we are uh i guess for those interested in in that sort of thing we are a system uh, kind of theology, but also up because we're ministry, but it's also a, a, you know, you could do it secularly, um, and you'd have a system theory kind of there. Um, but yeah, so, uh, we're not, not exactly like cogs in a wheel because each person is an individual and does their own thing. Uh, but you're highly affected and affecting your system you know, and the system kind of branches out. So it's your family and then your family is affecting, you know, your church and your church is affecting your community and your community affects your state and your state affects your country and your country affects the world. And, you know, all these, I mean, you can just kind of keep going out and out, but yeah, we're all, it's uh, in some ways it's almost like the, the six degrees of Kevin Bacon, right? Like, <laughs> every, like yeah. everybody knows everybody by, by six people, um, which is, you know, pretty, on one hand, kind of a meme now, right? But also sort of a profound thought uh, that, you know, I can affect everyone just by virtue of affecting just the people around me um, and starting with my family. So, yeah, definitely a holistic approach, looking at um, the whole family and saying, how can we help the family unit uh, as kind of the unit instead of always looking at the individual? I would say... Um, I'm a practicing DCE, right? So that sort of an in, gives me maybe an interesting perspective. I, but uh, DCE, Minister Director of Christian Education, definitely looks more at the individual uh, and tries to kind of affect things that way. So, mm-hmm. okay. Um, any more on kind of the differences or similarities or anything you would add to that? Oh man, DFLM, this is DCE, like, Family Life Ministry, DCE, or are, we kind of got the, the the gist of it. Like, what 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 would you? Why would you approach something differently, or how would you approach something differently? You know, specifically. Well, golly, this is so. This is actually like a really complicated thing, and we could probably talk on this for a long time. So i I did jot some notes down for myself on this subject. Um, so the, the first thing I guess I want to kind of address and just in terms of perspective, which I think is the biggest difference between a family life minister and a director of Christian education. Uh, the perspective of a Christian educator, director of Christian education is sort of that the church, uh, the church's job or, you know, if you want to make it more business, like the, the product or the service which the church provides uh, is primarily to sort of individuals and it's to teach Christianity to them, right? So um, you're a Christian educator, right? You teach Christianity to, you know, individuals. So if you have, um, let's say like a youth ministry, uh, it's not that you're not involving the parents per se, but uh, it's, which is of course what a family life minister would attempt to do. 
Um, it's more about, you know, looking at the youth by themselves and saying, okay, wh- what can we do to help you? Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that necessarily. I mean, I think God looks at us all as individuals and, you know, there's something to that. Um, but I also think that God does also set up systems uh, in place for us. And I think the first one is uh, marriage and family that he kind of sets up even even within the garden. And I mean, this is a an institution that is meant to be there, that is that you are not meant to live by yourself and alone. So uh, as an individual, really. Um, so the, the director of family life ministry is going to attempt to uh, basically support and equip uh, the family itself to do the education, right? So um, that's what I would guess I would say. So, you know, I, I wrote it down kind of a little bit shorter and pithy in my notes, but, you know, the DCE sort of uses the church as the main means of Christian education, while a DSOM will use the family as the main, you know, means through which children are educated. Yeah, well, and that seems uh, profoundly biblical, right? I mean, that's well, not... I think so, um, <laughs> you know, I, as a family life minister. Um, but I... I, you know, I, I do think working as a DCE gives me a certain respect, I think, uh, for this. I do think there are some difficult places for a, a director of family life minister to act um, and, and to keep that, uh, that philosophy. I, you know, as an example, I think of, you know, how do you work with, uh, like, you know, frankly, like widows and orphans, right? So... Mm-hmm. Um, some of the people that we're most meant to help are some of the people where, you know, it, that might be difficult um, with, a, you know, a straight family life ministry program. So I, I think a DCE has a lot of good work. A lot of good ministry work is being done by DCEs across the country. I would, I would never want to disparage any of them or the programs as a whole. Um, and in fact, the family life ministry uh, actually comes from director of Christian education. Right. So um, that, that kind of came to our church through uh, Christian educators saying, Hey, there's sort of an element of this that we're kind of not hitting and we really think it's important. Um, And so that's where that family life ministry came from. Um, Well, and I do have a couple other notes, but Oh, go ahead. Well, you know, the problem is, you know, one of the things that I, I think I had started saying while we were probably still working together, just looking at individuals in the church, was that we had basically outsourced our spirituality to people like me and people like you, you know, so like the church professionals, it was their job to connect us with God and to teach us and to... Um, strengthen our faith and develop our faith. And that, that's not that it's not true at all, uh, but it it's meant, I think, more as a support to a personal spirituality, right? And, and I right. think the way you just talked about all this, you know, the DCE is 
you know, you can only deal with the people that are right in front of you, right? I mean, so in some sense, you got to treat the individuals, uh, but the goal is ultimately to foster some kind of personal, you know, personal uh, faith journey, the personal discipling that's happening apart from just the DCE or the pastor or the church. And then the the director of family life ministry is kind of recognizing that one of the ways that we have outsourced our spirituality to the church is particularly with our kids uh, and our, you know, so Martin Luther in the, the small catechism written 500 years ago at the head, the, the beginning of each section, it says as the head of the family should teach it in a simple way to his household. Absolutely. <laughs> right. So, so there is this acknowledgement there that this is not about some pastor teaching you stuff. This is about stuff that's going on daily in the home to develop that kind of life, to develop a Christian, uh, to develop, to disciple people. Uh, and actually, I, I don't know if you've seen this. Maybe you, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I, I'm pretty sure I, I watched a video not that long ago about uh, Sunday school <clears throat> and kind of where that started. And it's actually relatively recent. And when it started, it was scandalous. Uh, and part of the scandal was that I'd have to figure out where I watched this video. I think it was for a book called like Innovate or Innovation or Church Innovation, something like that. And this guy is trying to help churches rethink things and and he points out that Sunday school was actually a radical innovation at the time Mm -hmm. because these kids were working actually six days a week and the only only day the companies couldn't make them work was Sunday and so on Sunday they had Sunday school they actually learned to read on Sunday but they used the Bible to do it so it was kind of this innovative way of not just providing a service that met a need in the community, but it was using that method of meeting this need <clears throat> to also incorporate faith in Jesus Christ. Um, but at the time, some of the the blowback that they got was, how dare you take Christian education away from parents? <laughs> How dare you take it out of the home? And here we are now, 150, 200 years later, going, how dare you not do your job and train our kids? (laughs) Like, like that's your job. No kidding. You know? Yeah. Um, So just uh, fascinating how the tables have turned. But again, biblically speaking, you know, Joshua 24, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's not, hey, we're going to send them off to you to teach them. We are going to serve the Lord. Um, oh, yes. And it's, in the Bible, multiple times, that you know, converting uh, 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 the parents was essentially seen as being synonymous with converting the entire family. Yeah. It was like the same thing, you know, like it was just that was the expectation. Yeah. So, and Luther's preface to the small catechism uh, makes it even more clear where he's talking about, he'll even tell you how to uh, go about teaching the, this catechism to people. It, it, it's really phenomenal. Um, but 
yeah. I'm sure you've read it, but you know, to listeners or, or whatever, I would say, yeah, definitely look at Luther's uh, small catechism and the preface in particular. And you know, the I think it's in Deuteronomy where it talks about, uh, yeah, on the road and when you lie down and when you get up and when you're eating and when you're, you know, how does that happen? <laughs> you know, I think yeah. like I find myself today, you know, as a pastor in the 21st century digital America, you know, trying to provide things like this so that I can be more present in some of those places. But ultimately, I nobody, no church, no pastor, no ministry can be in all those places. That's a that's a personal discipline. And it's a personal discipline that if we want to build it into our kids, you know, we have to take ownership of that. So Right. Absolutely. Yeah, I think uh with you know the DCE, the DFLM because you kind of talked about Sunday school, um, you know, I, I think there's a lot of confusion between the two, between DCEs and DFLM. Uh, the position as a whole, and at least within the Lutheran church, maybe in other denominations, it's not quite so bad, or if they even exist, I don't know. Uh, but I would say part of it is that the director of family life ministry is a relatively new position, right? It's sort of a, a radical kind of uh, thing. And I'll get to that in just a second. But we have had DCEs for a good long time now. Um, and so you know, one of the things that we need to recognize is that, you know, when you hire, like there are no DFLMs across the country who are running a, a family life ministry program only, right? Yeah. Like everybody starts with a DCE program yeah, because that's the way the church is run right now. So there's a lot of confusion, I think, because when you, when you first start, you know, you kind of are starting with, a church and a program that has been run based on the, the perspective of a DCE for the last, you know, 80 plus years or so. Um, whereas I think a lot of those programs might frankly not happen at all um, or be very drastically different. Mm. I'll, I would say because we were talking about Sunday school, I wanted to kind of use it as an example. Um, you know, most people, you know, most churches would hire, um, you know, a DCE or a DFLM and, and really think both of them will run Sunday school. Um, and in large part, they're correct, right? Um, you know, I run a Sunday school here and uh, were I to accept uh, some other sort of call or something, then I would probably run the Sunday school program there too. Um, and I think that's probably true of, of a number of I'm mean, probably all of them, really. I mean, that being said, Sunday school is kind of not really a family life ministry program. Um, it's really a DCE program, right? So here's, uh, and it's kind of actually like sort of the DCE program. Um, because here we have the kids come to church, be separated off from all of their family. Mostly, most of the time we'll, we'll break it down by age group. Um, so they get separated from all their family and they get taught by someone, uh, you know, some volunteer, usually it's not even the pastor or the DCE specifically. It's actually some, somebody who was trained by the DCE, uh, to teach. And then 
and then kind of equipped to do so with a curriculum that doesn't really involve parents in any way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we send them back home and parents are like, well, see, they've now they've learned about Jesus from the church. And, and then we are kind of left saying, well, wait a second. We only, we only did that for, you know, less than an hour, you know, one time a week. Yeah. Uh, you know, what, what school would you expect to be able to teach your kid, you know, the intricacies of, of all of the, their subjects when you only get to see them for one hour for one, one day a week, you know? Um, and so it's, that is a, a DCE program and it's not necessarily a bad program. It's just not a family life ministry program. Mm -hmm. So from a family life ministry perspective, you may very well not have Sunday school at all. Um, and instead work to equip, uh, the parents to, to, do what you what you otherwise would have done for them uh, on Sunday morning, but not just Sunday morning, but throughout the week. In fact, mm. so from a family life ministry perspective, we're going to be looking a lot more strongly at things such as you know home devotions or you know things like that. Um, you know that that's the kind of thing that family life ministers are going to be interested in looking for, and so. If you had a family life minister who came in and and is now operating a DCE program, then what you're going to see, first of all, is a the DFLM will constantly, forever, just be coming up with a new idea to try to make the old programs more family friendly. Mm-hmm. Uh, or they'll just be like, you know, getting rid of stuff. And you'll be like, well, why are you getting rid of this? Well, because it's, it's, that's not family life ministry. That's not what we do, you know? Um, well, in some so ways, I, those programs actually hinder the ability of parents and families to, to do the discipling, right? So we, right. we have another event. We have more programs that take them away from each other and give them another thing to do in a week that's already flooded with all kinds of stuff, right? Like, You've got uh, sports, you've got scouts, you've got dance and gymnastics and Mm -hmm. swimming and baseball and soccer. And, uh, you know, you've got all these things going on. You've got, uh, then you've got the church saying, well, whoa, 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 wait a second. You need to come and give us attention too. (laughs) Right. And so, and then we, you know, we kind of make them feel guilty a little bit about not being here as if the only place that, Christian education and discipleship and faith formation that only happens at a particular location at a particular time and place under the supervision of particular people. Uh, But biblically, like we said earlier, Deuteronomy, right? Where does it happen? It's on the road. It's when you wake up, when you lie down, whatever you're doing, those are the opportunities. Um, Absolutely. so, So actually on the side of the soccer field, is where discipleship happens. Um, exactly. In the home, of course, but when you're walking to the school bus, when you're, uh, you know, wherever you happen to be, that is where faith formation is taking place. When you're in the car on the way to a, a sporting event, that's, you know, an hour or so away, you know, when you're, th- that's where these things are supposed to be happening. And the real struggle, the real scandal of it all is uh, we're, we're substituting the really, truly effective ministry 
for a not effective ministry, right? So, uh, you know, it, it actually works when you disciple your children that way, and it doesn't work to send your child. <laughs> so, like, so, and I think, you know, as an example, I'll say, you know, youth night. Well, you know, the typical youth night, uh, whatever day of the week it is, is going to usually be at, in the evening, right? That's why I call it youth night, um, because that's when the kids are available. Uh, and then they'll, it's usually over, over dinner. There's some sort of snack or something. And I just think, you know, let's say if you did it on, even let's say if you did it on like a weekday, like a Wednesday night or something, those kids, most of them probably woke up maybe five, six, seven o'clock in the morning uh, and, and basically immediately got ready for work. Many of them skip breakfast even and mm-hmm. go and go, I say work, but they, they go to school, right? So they, and then after school, most of them now play sports or band or theater or some sort of something. Uh, and it's not enough to be in one sport. No, you have to be in several sports and, you know, there's travel teams. And so by the time you get home, it may be four, five, six o'clock in the evening. And you, by the way, still have probably two, three hours of homework every night. And in addition to that, now we're asking you to come on Wednesday night to come to youth night and skip dinner with your parents too. Well, that means on Wednesday night, you hardly saw your parents at all. You know, you might have said enough to say hello on your way out to the door or maybe the drive to school. Uh, If your parents drive you to school, then you might see them then. That's that's about it. And it's like, oh, my goodness. You know, that that are, you know, here we are as as DCEs and saying, you know, hey, um, we are not getting enough time with your children in order to disciple them in the faith. And you've got these parents that are being put in a rough place because they're saying, Oh, you think you don't have enough time? I actually have even less time with my kids <laughs> than you do, yeah. you know, and yeah. wow. which is which is an, in, impossible to think about, and yet the, the situation that that we many people find themselves in. So, I, I definitely am an advocate for the director of family life ministry program. Um, definitely look at that uh, as as something that we're going to be moving more towards in the future, especially. Uh, I think the pandemic really hit people hard on this particular topic because it shut down the churches. Um, and yet everybody was, was at home and many of them were at home with their children for more time than they had ever experienced with their children. Right. So mm, yeah. I, I really think um, that family life ministry is going to kind of um, going to kind of be taking more of a, of a front feet kind of role. Uh, with the church moving forward. So, yeah, man. Um, anyway, DCE, DFLM, we could get into more of the differences, but like I said, I could talk all day about that. So yeah, <laughs> I don't yeah, know no. if we want to keep on forever. I think uh, what we might want to talk about at, at another point, just as, uh, you know, we're having these con- this conversation, you know, what are some ways that we can help parents have those conversations? I, you know, I think parents just feel so uncomfortable having those conversations in part because they're coming up through a generation that the emphasis was on the church doing it. Right. And so they never got the church did it for them in a Uh way, right. They were outsourcing their spirituality for, for their entire lives. Um, in a sense, not, not everyone, right. I, I don't, I'm not trying to I'm just saying that the the system is set up in a way that kind of lends itself to that. 
Right. Um, so, so like, how do we equip parents to do that sort of thing? And, you know, what does a family devotion look like? And, uh, you know, uh, and there were a couple other things you, 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 um, I forget exactly what it was at this point. I lost it. Sorry. But, and, and, you know, what are some things that congregations need to recognize to be more successful in, in helping in this area? Uh, what are things pastors need to recognize? What are some things that parents should be keeping in mind just in general, just the way the world is forcing them into one way of thinking about life? And, you know, we now are, are trying to force them into a, a very different way of thinking mm-hmm. about life. Um, so take some you know, I do. Yeah, I do want to say one thing. I think it's fairly short. Um, so if those if people are still listening to us, right, then uh, I, I hope you hear this, this last thing. The most important thing to recognize move, kind of moving forward, because I'd love to, you know, come back and, and have a, you know, more in-depth conversation about this. But the one most important thing I feel like has to be said, you first need to recognize how bad it is. Um, I, I think people have this idea in their head that like, you know, oh yeah, we're losing, you know, X percentage of, of students or whatever, you know, and that's, you know, like at, across the board, look, I, you know, it's bad, <laughs> like really bad. Mm. Um, you know, you can talk to kids that are good Lutheran kids from three, four, five generation Lutheran families. And they just are, are they just, there's so much they don't know. There's so much they don't do. You know, you might assume that they are like praying occasionally and yet you'll talk to them and they don't know how to pray at all. Mm. And you're like, but you're 15 years old. How did you even make it through our church program without learning something so foundational? So I think moving forward, we have, and that is just basically recognize that the problem exists. It exists for you at your church could even be your children. Mm, absolutely. Uh, and yeah. yeah. And know that it exists, you know, and from there it's now, you know, once you're on board for the fact that the problem exists, then we can finally really start talking about, you know, what can be done about it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, uh, and that actually, that specific idea on prayer you know, that made me change some things that I was doing in the church and at home, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, like for a children's message, kind of forcing the kids to pray instead of me at home, making the kids pray, not me, you know, because if I do it for them, then they're not gaining that experience and, and figuring right. out how to do it. Um, yeah, my my two-year-old now uh, starts us off on the Lord's Prayer before we eat. Wow. Yeah, two, two years old. And uh, if I don't sing Amazing Grace to her before I put her to sleep, she'll like start singing it. Wow. Like to remind me to sing it. I mean, so this is how young you can do these things. Um, you know, I always say if you can talk, you can pray. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. And And the problem, not just... I mean, those are the kids that are actually with us that we actually right. get in in church and in 
Sunday school and in all these programs right. that we have, 96% of an entire generation is not present on Sunday mornings any longer. And that was a statistic from pre-COVID. I mean, that, I think, statistic is at least two to three years old. So <laughs> that number, it might be 99.9% now, is, is just not even in remotely engaged with anything right. that churches are doing. And, and it's and, getting worse. Yep. Right? This isn't a problem that we, okay, we know it, we get it, but we're, we're starting to make it better. No, it's getting worse. Whatever we're doing is, is definitely for sure not working. Yeah. yeah. For sure. And, and I, I've had conversations because we showed up at, we're in a new congregation. We've been here about a year now and there isn't really a Sunday school program per se. And, you know, I sat down with some folks that were kind of asking about it and I said, well, I don't have a problem doing something. But I do think that before we start anything again, we got to be honest and say, well, if what we were doing was really working, <laughs> would we be in the situation we're in, right? Where, exactly. where it's sort of the wheels came off or there was no group of kids in a particular age group or, you know, um, and I've said that before to a lot of different people and, and some of them take it very personally. I mean, but what? This is the most amazing thing. What are you talking about? And, yeah. Um, well, I mean, it's thing, right? And and I, you know, I've I've tried to explain nicely to people because, and try to be polite. I'm sure that you do as well. Um, but you know, no matter what you do, it's going to sting a little bit because, you know, to accept. Let's say that you're a Sunday school teacher. Let's say you're maybe even a, a grandfather or grandmother. Uh, and you've been teaching Sunday school for, you know, 30 years or yeah. something, right? Yeah. And you've got your own kids uh, that, that came up through the program and, and you see, okay, well, you know, they don't seem to be, uh, you know, quite as, uh, you know, into the church scene as you were, but, but they're there, they're here. And, and the grandkids, they come to, you know, and it's, okay, so now they've come through and you've probably taught Sunday school for your kids and for your grandkids. And now you're just flabbergasted by the fact that your grandkids just, just don't care, don't want to go. And, and it's like a fight every single Sunday. And maybe they're even older now and they're not going at all. And you cannot find a way to figure out how to make them go. Mm -hmm. And you've been teaching Sunday school this whole time. Well, you know, to have someone come in and say, well, you know, that Sunday school program, that's, that's not working. Right. Like, yeah. Well, it's, it's really too late. It, might, <laughs> it didn't right, work. Too, right. Right. It already didn't work. Right. And so for, for that person to accept that there's a lot of, of guilt that would need to be taken on uh, by that person. And that's a hard thing to ask somebody. That's a, that's a difficult burden to bear. Uh, and yeah. of course, as Christians, we, we are not to bear that guilt, right? Guilt is not something that Christians live in, right? There is mm -hmm. now no condemnation. Uh, and so I think, you know, some of those things, I, I, don't, I don't know exactly how to have the conversation super well, but I think just understanding a little bit that, you know, these people have been practicing and doing these things, and they might even be looking at their own children or their grandchildren and saying, 
you know, if what this person says is true, then it's my fault. Yeah, no, that my it's kids not, are not a Christian, right? It's, it's not. Like, well, no, you, it's kind of not. You right? don't like, know what you don't know until, right? Like you and I are sitting here. We're these young punks who who right. figured this out. Actually, not right away, right? I mean, we. It, it took no, us. No, somebody had to tell me. I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and it was just kind of starting to look at the evidence. Uh, you know, you don't know the effects of, of what it is that you're doing or not doing until it's sometimes too late. But the other piece of it is, is they couldn't have known, right? I mean, right. part of what the problem is, is that society isn't helping us the way it used to help us, right? So, right. so there was a sense in which you were kind of on the road and you were getting some support for a life of faith in Christ. You were getting some support as far as discipling you as a a follower of Jesus. Um, you don't get that anymore at all. And, and in fact, it's, it's hostile. It's exactly, right? So so if, if all things being equal, you know, we turn back the clock 50 years and we do Sunday school and we go, okay, we're going to we're going to just do Sunday school and, and you have the environment from 50 years ago, you might do okay. Maybe 60 years ago, maybe, I don't know how far back you have to go for it to work, but well, I think it depends on the, on the area you're in, but yeah, I think you're in the right ballpark a little bit. So um, if, if we can create those systems around us, then it would work. But since we right. can't, <laughs> we have to start with the, it's like we're going back to the drawing board. If, if we ever want Sunday school and the kinds of programs and events that used to work to work again, we have to actually transform society. <laughs> and the only way to do that is on a more foundational level. And that's like Jesus says, you know, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. You know, the kingdom of God right. is like a little leaven. You put it in and work it through, and then it gets the whole thing. You can't start with, you know, expecting it to be everywhere. Uh, right just, it'll get and similarly i would say right here we have the salt that loses its saltiness it's not worth anything just throw it out on the ground and, and so i would say when you're looking at these programs like you know i i make a joke sometimes and i say you know it's, it's, right the only things for sure in life right death and taxes mm-hmm. and church programs right <laughs> like you start a church program and it's just impossible to end it and it's like you know we have got to as a congregation say look these or as a, as a whole church to say, you know, church programs that don't work have got to go, yeah. uh, you know, and let's only do, let's just, you know, all make a commitment to only do church programs that work. <laughs> well, and that, that could be another, in, you know, lo- lengthy conversation about uh, oh, yeah. how is it that Christians can't recognize the truth? Like, <laughs> you know, oh my gosh, I know. I mean, no. truth in some ways, yes, Jesus Christ and him crucified and risen and all that, but the truth about, hey, guys, this ain't working, and we're, like, destroying people's uh, ability to be discipled by doing this. Like, don't we realize yeah. that? You know, that's... I mean, just look around you, right? I mean, like, I, can't we just say that church must have done something wrong in the sense that there's, like, not a church? Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, I, I, I don't I don't know that we're going to get quite there, but I, it does feel like it at well, times. Well, right. Like, how many churches need to close? Right before we think, before we finally, maybe we should do something different. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know, well, like uh, well, maybe we shouldn't have the exact same model that church had. I don't, you know, it just seems like maybe not. Uh, but, well, but that's that's why I am where I am, 
and um, and that's why I'm doing this right now and and trying some crazy things and saying some crazy things that uh, maybe will help begin this process of uh, reforming and transforming and and all that. So, um, but before we go, it's been some great stuff we've talked about. I did want to mention that you know I wanted to bring Josh on here because it would get me a chance to use some really fancy technology and because Josh has some uh, really interesting insight that's been helpful to me, my family, my ministry. But uh, Josh is actually looking for a position within our church body, and uh, I I just thought that it would be helpful for him to have a chance to kind of talk a little bit about his ideas and, uh, you know, I don't know, share the fact that he's looking. That's not really something that that you do in our church body. You know, it's a call process. There's a divine process that that we have that we go through for that. But uh, I just wanted to try and be helpful and, uh, you know, say he's a good guy, and I appreciate him very much. And, uh, you know, hopefully this is a resource that you can direct people to yourself, Josh, um, just as far as conversation, or maybe it's so terrifying to people you don't want them to hear this. <laughs> but, uh, I, I think we've talked about things that you and I have talked about plenty in, in the past. So uh, better to be upfront, let people know where you're coming from, what you're doing, and, and I think uh, you'll find a, a place that is exactly where the Lord wants you to be. So. Amen. And, you know, I think if anyone's scared off by this conversation, they'll be, they'll be horrified if they ever meet me in person. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, this is going to narrow the field maybe a little bit. I don't know. Well, maybe, hopefully not, you know, too much, but you know, that's okay. The Lord will place me where he places me. uh, And, and that is the thing that I pray for. Yeah. 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 And uh, just churches uh, struggling. We've talked about that and needing to kind of cut back and, you know, COVID of course didn't really help churches in uh, a lot of ways. And so, uh, well, I'll push back just a little bit on that. It did help some churches. It, maybe that's a whole nother conversation. Yeah, well, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Some another... churches did, did just fine. So, <laughs> well, we actually did uh pretty good through throughout the uh the pandemic but i don't know how much yeah. of that was uh wow well again another conversation that's a whole other conversation i know <laughs> but but for now my best to you your wife uh your your two beautiful children and uh, hopefully we can get connected again here soon uh hang on after i uh say goodbye to everybody and, and we'll chat a little more awesome Thank you for the opportunity. Hey, you're welcome. God bless you. And uh, hey, everybody, remember, taste and see that the Lord is good. Ice cream is sweet. Jesus is sweeter. Church is sweet. But discipleship at home with your family, with your kids, is far sweeter and far more effective. So uh, God be with you. Hope to catch up with you real soon. Bye-bye.